even with that defense being great, at some point they're going to get in the shootout. He's a great coordinator, not a great head coach. I think there's one thing we're all saying for a fact. I'm your host, Patrick Cypher, also known as No Huddle NFL on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. That is No Huddle NFL with no capitals and no spaces. Also available on Twitter, where I have been rapidly tweeting about that monstrosity of a game we're supposed to call the Eagles' huge loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Check out at No Huddle NFL. Yet again, no capitals and no spaces with an underscore at the end this time. I hope you all check it out because that's where I, you know, rapidly tweet about each of these matchups. Where I've been tweeting about the head coach firings, the head coach hirings that are soon to be happening, at least so we think. Whatever you want to call this Mike Tomlin situation going on. Pretty much anything NFL related, that's where I've been rapidly pumping out content there. And I'm with a guest today. Geek, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Kind of kind of tired. You know, life is weird. It's midnight. So I'm drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been a great week of wild card football. And I, I shouted out my YouTube page earlier. And I have been trying to get content out there every week. And for the most part, I've been successful in that. But... This week, I haven't been able to get something out there. Before we talk about the wildcard game, I, I just want to say, uh, kind of like apologize for not getting a video out last week. Because again, I, I pride myself on always getting content out on a schedule. But this week, I couldn't just because I'm a teenager. I'm in senior year of high school. There's a lot of stuff that happens senior year of high school. I have prom coming up, and I had to work on a promposal sign. So that was... Uh-huh. You you say all and it sucks. <laughs> the the process of working on it sucks. The anxiety of like trying to make sure, you know, you get the person in the spot sucks. But for me, it became a lot of like adrenaline at a point. <laughs> because not just like doing it, but I I the person I did it with, they go to a different school. And they only play our school once all year sorry uh and that's the basketball game that happens every year and it's at their stadium or their gym whatever so we had to go there we had to make sure like they go through this specific exit all that good stuff i had to keep bothering the girls that i hang out with to make sure that they get that person in the spot that i need them to be so that i also don't drive (laughs) So I needed someone else to bring me and lend me their car keys so I could unlock their car. So pretty much we were getting smoked. There was like five minutes left on the clock. I had to run to my friend, get their car keys, unlock the car, grab the poster board, grab the roses, whatever. And then while I'm walking back, a bunch of people that are leaving the gym, leaving the game because it's a blowout, like I said, see me. And they're like, oh, shoot, uh, you're doing that now. I want to see it. So I'm like, okay, yeah, go go ahead, come on, whatever. And, you know, I go there, and I'm going to wait for the game then because I don't want to be that guy that, like, in the middle of a blowout loss, my own school's blowout loss, I, I don't want my friends that are on the team to see me 
just walk out during a timeout and, you know, be that guy, be annoying, whatever. <laughs> so I was going to wait at the exit for them to, for the game to end and for the person to come to the specific exit I was at. Keep in mind, I have like a huge crowd of people that were leaving the game that followed me to watch me do it. Oh, no. <laughs> so, get, get this, it gets even worse. One of the uh, school's members of the staff came up to me out of nowhere. And all this while, like, I see my football coach who's, like, smiling at me like, oh, my God, you're really an idiot for this. Uh, an, a member of the school's staff comes over to me and they say, we're about to call a timeout. You have to go out there and do the thing, whatever. He didn't say, like, can you, or should we call a timeout? He just said, we're gonna. So I'm just like, oh, okay, I guess this is what we're doing. And, you know, I'm a showman, so I'm not going to say no to that opportunity, right? Even though I didn't have the option to. So I just go out there in front of, like, so many people. That, that might have been the biggest audience I had for anything in my life. <laughs> and I, I just go out there, my idiot face wearing all black because it's a blackout i'm wearing a black beanie a black like long sleeve shirt black pants black shoes all black shoes <laughs> idiot black air forces or no? no not black air forces but you would think that they are black air forces because they're they're all black again uh i go out there holding like a kendrick lamar promposal sign and roses in the other hand and it's just like the girl didn't know that i was doing it then uh now, of course, we're friends. We've been friends for a while. So it, uh, she said yes. No one proposes anymore without knowing that the other person's going to say yes. Uh, so I wasn't worried about her saying no. I was more worried about how much of an idiot am I going to look like during this. And I still think I looked really stupid. But that was overshadowed just because of the amount of balls that took me. So great <laughs> experience. But again, sorry that I couldn't get a YouTube video out there. Uh, I know I'm a... <laughs> I'm a teenager living my life. What a crime. That but, is a crime. <laughs> but uh, I didn't live my life as a teenager. I was out here cranking out content. Lives are for losers. What, that's what, what you've got to learn. And, and that's why I'm here at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> right after Wildcard Weekend wrapped up, here to record a podcast for the people. And I'll make sure to get a YouTube video out this week. Okay. So I just wanted to apologize for that. And shout out a cool little story that happened during my weekend. I know normally this episode, or the podcast specifically, episodes start really quick. You know, I'm normally within a minute of the episode starting. Within two minutes of the episode starting, the football starts right away. But, you know, I'm a high schooler, right? I'm in senior year. I try and enjoy it. Uh, so I just want to tell a story that I thought was really interesting. While also kind of apologizing for not getting a YouTube video out there. But anyway, let's get into this week's football game. It Several football games. Not too many of them were great watches, in all honesty. Some of these were blowouts. Very boring games just because it, it was really one-sided. But still, there were several impl implications to these blowouts that made them at least fun stories. And, you know, it raised awareness of some things that, you know, maybe this team's a fraud and let's talk about this. Or maybe this team really showed us something. They're a lot better than we all thought. Which side of the spectrum do you think this Browns-Texans game is? Do you think it's more on the, 
wow, this team is a fraud. This team that we all thought was going to win, or not all thought we was going to win, but this team we all thought was going to at least keep it close ended up getting blown out. They're fraudulent, or is it more of a, this team's a lot better than everyone thought, or is it a little bit of both? How do you feel about this Texans big win against the Cleveland Browns? I think this is a weird one because it's really tough to judge the Browns with how injured they were. Like, they weren't, they didn't have most of their best players, but I mean, I think a lot of this is just the Texans are just really good. And the Browns, I kind of think were fraudulent. When you go look at just like, just some of the basic numbers, I think on the road this year, that generational defense was giving up like 32 points a game. Uh, it wasn't as good as people make it out to be, and which is kind of surprising because I thought the defense was pretty good, but their their home and road splits are wild. And then, I mean, Joe Flacco, what did we really expect out of a 38-year-old dude who could not get a job until week 17 when everybody was hurt? Like, what What did we think we was going to happen? We expected more of what we saw earlier this year. Is that criminal to think i mean we saw him I'm, dice I mean, up you a got jets that. defense but we saw him <laughs> dice up a jets defense that looked phenomenal and then all of a sudden in this game there there were parts where he looked really damn good but then the second half comes around and D'Amico ryan's just got the better of him that, that's really what it came down to this game came down to D'Amico ryan's not versus joe flacco not versus jerome ford it came down to D'Amico Ryans versus Kevin Stefanski. And the reality is, D'Amico Ryans' defensive scheme beat Kevin Stefanski's offensive scheme. Just that simple. I don't think a fully healthy Browns team wins this game. I don't. I still think the Texans win. And I think it's because Flacco's mistakes weren't like, man, this is a fourth-string quarterback. That's why he made that mistake. No, it was, oh, D'Amico Ryans gave him a really interesting look, and that forced him to try this throw, and that throw didn't work because they did this instead of what the Browns expected because the Browns expected this to happen. And, you know, I, I looked at the All-22. I could go through these interceptions and point out specifically what Flacco was thinking. There were plays where players just beat players. There were. But there were also plays where it just came down to the X's nose, and... Most of the time, when it came down to the X's and O's, the Texans' X's and O's beat the Browns' X's and O's. See, part of it's also, though, it's just the Joe Flacco problem that we've seen throughout his entire career. The just-chuck-it-up idea doesn't work. It works sometimes, but a real coach will beat that. We, we Flacco's see never been a real dicey up type guy even when you go look at the jet the yeah. jets game he's just chucking it yeah sometimes and, and sometimes he will just like, chuck it. yes that's what flacco does and like flacco's not the guy who's really gonna lead you know 15 play drives where he's beating it that's never been what he does he won a super bowl off of the i'm just gonna chuck it and we're either gonna catch it or it's gonna be pi mm -hmm. that's literally how he won a super bowl and i just that 
it just doesn't work especially i mean it doesn't help you have no run game and i'm not gonna put that all on stefanski i offensive line injuries and then not having nick chubb is tough yes. when this team is built to be a we hand the ball to nick chubb team mm-hmm. and like this is not action. a passing team you have yeah. amari cooper and a bunch of nobodies it, they want the play action game to really yep. elevate them. There, there's no doubting that. That's what Stefanski's offense is based yep. around. There is no de- denying that whatsoever. And Joe Flacco does throw it up a decent amount. That's why he had around a 4% interception percentage during yep. the regular season. We knew going into the playoffs that Flacco's interceptions were going to be the Achilles heel of the team. We knew mm-hmm. that definitively, 100%. That being said, I don't think the interceptions were just Flacco throwing it up. Now, maybe you can argue the one where he was targeting Elijah Moore was just a throw it up to Elijah Moore play. But to me, that looked like he was trying to throw it out of bounds. I'm not saying the interceptions were just that. I just mean the offense has been designed to be just him throwing it up. and That doesn't always work. The interceptions weren't exactly that. It's just more of a, like, in general, his style of play is just chuck it up and let the receivers go make a play, which can work. But also, it can not work. Yeah, 100%. And then you were mentioning the defense for the Browns. Before we get to the Texans, I want to point out more of why the Browns lost this game. What What is it that we saw the Texans, not really the Texans do, but what is it that gave the Browns defense problems in this game that we weren't exactly used to seeing give them problems? Eating Miles Garrett? Yeah. That's that's 100% part of it. Laramie Tunsil did a great job stopping Miles Garrett in this one. I completely agree with that. I also think if you look, there were a lot of plays where Browns corners were getting beat because they forced some of these defenders to communicate in ways that they, if they're really as good of a defense as they're supposed to be, they should be able to communicate a lot better. There were times where someone is trying to pass a route off to a defender and the defender just isn't where the guy who passed off the route is expecting them to be and it ultimately ends up being a big play because of that, right? The Brevin Jordan touchdown, the 74-yard run after the catch by Brevin Jordan, that play... Jordan ended up being wide open because Ogbo Okoronkwo and Owusu Koromoa were trying to get to Stroud, obviously. They were blitzing. And the reason that they kept rushing were because they thought that Brevin Jordan, if he just ended up blocking and releasing like he did on on that play, they thought that DeAnthony Bell was going to pick him up and cover him, or at least try and restrict him after he caught the ball. Instead, and I want to give Slowick a lot of credit for this one, he had Beck kind of just go behind Brevin Jordan and then sell vertical, taking DeAnthony Bell really far away from where Brevin Jordan caught the ball, and Brevin Jordan just had like 20 yards of green grass to run. And then, of course, Jordan did a great job you know, making the most of that opportunity. But still, they forced the Browns' defense to communicate in ways that they weren't used to communicating. And 
that's part of why this Browns defense didn't have the type of game that we were expecting. And, of course, part of it was the fact that Laramie Tunsil just made Miles Garrett into a non-factor. Yeah. I mean, there were plenty of times throughout the game where normally you, you see Miles Garrett get pressure earlier. There were a lot of times where you're like, CJ Stratton has a little bit longer in the pocket than I was expecting going into this game. And the reason why was, well, yet again, Miles Garrett just wasn't the type of player we expect him to be. Owusu Koromoa had a really good game. There's no doubting that. He, he was making play after play after play. Right. But then some of these other guys... Like we said, Miles Garrett, he wasn't much of a big playmaker in this one. Ogbo Okoronkwo wasn't doing too much. Denzel Ward was doing a good job. So was Martin Emerson. But Greg Newsom was kind of getting picked on all game long. Yeah. The Texans just didn't throw at Martin Emerson or Denzel Ward. That was kind of just their game plan. Greg Newsom's a good corner, but he's the liability there i guess and the texans had no problem just throwing the ball his way every play and for whatever reason the browns just couldn't seem to no matter how many times the texans did it i mean if you look at, at basically every big play they had it was like a bootleg to one side and then throwing to the other side of the field and never once did the corner or safety on the other side of the field actually stay with their guy they're like, oh, he's rolling left. He's obviously going to pass over here. We don't need to worry about this guy. I mean, that's every touchdown was just that. It was ridiculous how the Browns defense just, like, forgot what football was. Yeah, the 37-yarder to Dalton Schultz was that exact yeah. thing. And yep. I, I think part of it is if you're a defense, you're not expecting a rookie quarterback to throw across the field on a bootleg. That's just not something you see. Right, CJ Stroud's a different animal, though, and that's a good transition to talking about how this Texans defense, or Texans defense and Texans offense, just gave the Browns problems. Okay, it wasn't the Browns just playing a bad game; it was the Texans knowing how to exploit a Browns team that is really good. Right, like you just mentioned, the bootlegs and then just turning the other way and shucking it. It worked a lot, and it's because most teams don't do that. So when you see a quarterback that tries that stuff, especially a rookie, you're not exactly prepared to see it. Yeah, it's it's kind of incredible how good Stroud looked. Like, we've been saying it all year about him, but, like, this dude didn't care at all. Like, this looks like him last year against Georgia in the college football playoff. And it's I don't know, he's just not phased too. by anything. It's been that way all year, yep. too. That's the insane thing. That, and that game specifically, I like that you mentioned that game against Georgia, because that game specifically is what made me so high on Stroud. That's what made yep. me go from, hey, he's a really good quarterback because of his ball placement, and he's definitely a starting quarterback in this league, and he's going to be a very good one, to, oh, he's going to be a very good quarterback, and he has potential to be Joe Burrow or even better than Joe Burrow because he has the ability to do this stuff we saw in this game. And we're seeing that every week. Every week, he's making these insane throws, pressure coming in his face, he doesn't care. He's being flipped. His feet are off the ground because the defender tackled him well, and he's still chucking it spot on. Uh, One of the best balls you've ever seen 
and his feet aren't even on the ground. He's under pressure. Guy in his face. It, it's insane. It is insane. And I, I posted this on Twitter, but I, I want to say it again. I, I'm curious what you think. Is it an insane take to say that there is currently no quarterback other than maybe Lamar Jackson that is playing better football than CJ Stroud? Uh, I think Josh Allen needs to be there. I know but, he gets a lot of crap because he throws some interceptions, but he's also literally the only thing on that offense. Okay, yes, but Stroud isn't turning the ball. Like, I, and Josh Allen's a great quarterback, don't get me wrong. But the way CJ Stroud is playing, I think, is reasonably better than the way that Josh Allen plays or is playing right now just because Stroud is doing this stuff without turning the ball over. Josh Allen, you don't feel too comfortable saying that. Well, I mean, if we want to go complete recent history, I mean, Josh might have played better just this week. Sure, okay, if you want to just go so off like, this week. Uh, did he I play don't know. better this week, though? I mean, what Stroud, yeah. The way Stroud played, I don't know if I could say that. I mean, your team scored four touchdowns. He was responsible for all of them. I mean... He threw a few more passes, had a few more incompletions, but, I mean, no turnovers, uh, basically yeah. a perfect there game, a just like pick. Stroud. There was a drop pick in that one. Yeah, but every quarterback has bad throws. If we're going to start getting hung up on this pick wanna... was dropped, we can do that for Stroud, too. Not in this one. Not in this specific game. If you want to just go off this specific but a game. dropped pick is an incompletion. It doesn't matter. It's an incompletion, okay. just like Fair. Stroud's throw is an incompletion. We can't do this. Well, this could have been a pick. A lot of throws could have been a pick. Stroud could have fumbled the ball on every play. That's not – we're not doing the hypothetical game. Okay, here. fine. That's fine. not – that's yeah. not good analysis. <laughs> that's bad process. That's bad process. It's just bad process. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I, Stroud, the but, way No, I mean, playing. Stroud's right there. Yeah. I mean – he, I, I think it's remarkable. a little, yeah. Uh, this Absolutely. year, and especially as of late, since coming back from the injury, even before the injury, he, he's been insane. He's been insane. The ball placement, the pocket presence, everything about him, the, how quickly he goes through his reads, everything about him is insane. Everything about him is just perfect quarterback play. Near perfect quarterback play. He, he's insane. The way that he is playing, it, it's remarkable. But now I want to look at the Texans' defense, switching up the gears a little bit. I mean, D'Amico Ryan's what, what he did, some of the schemes he was putting out there, of course, you have the edge-rushing duo. What about this defense makes them so damn good, right? Because, I mean, listen, they're not, they're not the Ravens. They're not what this Cleveland defense was. They're, they're not the Jets' defense. But it's still a really good defensive unit. What about them? allows them to be this good um i think i mean it's just the niners scheme right that they're just running the same scheme that the niners do um i think the ability of a lot of the young guys to like fully step up will anderson looks awesome and weirdly just a couple of weeks ago we were talking on run the north with you about uh Derek stingley and mm -hmm. How that was bad. Stingley's kind of been awesome since yeah, that he episode. <laughs> he has. He definitely has. Like, the young players stepping up, whatever it is about D'Amico Ryans and getting the young guys to be able to step up, I think part of it's just a... There's something about big moments 
where if you don't understand why the moment's so big because you've never been there before, it's a lot easier to just go, it's just another Sunday. Mm-hmm. Coach told you to go go out there and win, so it's like, all right, this doesn't feel any different. Why is this special? Because you've never had to deal with it before. But I think, I don't know, it's just the looks that D'Amico gives for guys. The mm-hmm. Their defense operates similar to a Shanahan offense. A lot of movement all yeah. the time to confuse quarterbacks, and it works against everybody. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you see it with all the Shanahan disciples that are on the defensive side of the ball. All their defenses operate in that similar way because they're used to playing defense in practice against the Shanahan offenses. Yeah. They are. So they need to be able to counter them. They need to be able to move just as much as the offenses are moving. And we see that it works really well. It works really well for the Jets, and it's working really well for the Texans. And I think an example of just how dangerous the looks that he gives is that second interception in this game. It seemed like Flacco expected Christian Harris to take the middle zone. On that one, Christian Harris got the interception on this play. He expected Christian Harris to take the middle zone, and Petrie, Jalen Petrie, was going to have the flats because Blake Cashman was on the line of scrimmage, and it looked like he was going to blitz. But Blake Blake Cashman, he dropped back into that middle zone, which meant that now Christian Harris was able to drop into the flats, which pretty much put Christian Harris in a perfect position to pick off the ball that Flacco tried to throw to one of the tight ends. I want to say it was one of the tight ends. Meanwhile, if Petrie had the flats, much like Flacco expected, then Petrie wouldn't have been able to get in front of that ball, would have made a tackle after the catch was made, but he definitely wouldn't have deflected the pass or picked it off. There was no way. But because of... Cashman being lined up on the line of scrimmage that led Flacco to thinking this and that led to him attempting that throw but in actuality he shouldn't have tried that throw because in actuality the defense was this and this was perfect against exactly what Flacco thought in simple terms the smoke and mirrors that people always talk about when talking about good defensive minds D'Amico Ryans is a master of it okay yeah he's a master of it and you watch this defense operate. You watch them take advantage of opposing offenses. It's because they get in people's heads. It's because nothing is for certain with this D'Amico Ryan's defense. And every play, you see that. You have no idea what anyone is going to do pre-snap. And it just makes them so dangerous. Because you either hesitate too much, and then Will Anderson and Renard get to you, make a play on you. Or, you... Try and throw it right away. Hope to God your pre-snap diagnosis of the opposing defense was correct. And if it isn't, you get picked off. And then that pick goes all the way to the crib. It's a great defensive unit. Really well coached up players. And each of these players is willing to make the big play. Whether that's Will Anderson sacking the quarterback, Grenard making a tackle for loss, or Cashman picking the ball off, Derek Stingley making a big pass deflection, it doesn't matter. Everyone here is willing to make the big play when an offense tries them. And for the most part, D'Amico Ryans gets these players in position to make the big play when it needs to be made. 
Yeah. It's, that sums it's, it up pretty perfectly. <laughs> it's it's a spectacular defensive unit. And the offense is great, too. Super excited to see what they do against the – they're playing the uh, Ravens. 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 They're Ravens, yeah. I don't – I don't know if they're going to do much. The Ravens are a much Ravens different are very beast good. than and the Browns. Off a bye, but you know what? At least – the Ravens are coming off a bye. There, there's no denying that. That means they're going to be well-rested. But the Texans have more momentum. If you want to think about it as a positive for the Texans, I would understand it. They seem hyped sure. up. They seem ready to win this game, man. Sure. They do. And I'm not going to pick them. I don't know who I'm picking <laughs> yet. But Texans, I hope you put up hell of a fight. It should be a great duel between those two quarterbacks, between those two offenses, between those two defenses. I, I'm super excited to see it. But for now, let's move on to the uh, Dolphins at Chiefs in freezing cold temperature. Neither of these teams are really built to play in this weather, but one team clearly came out on top. How do you feel about the Chiefs' absolute dismantling of the Miami Dolphins here? I think this... Uh, People have been mad at me. I don't know if you saw my tweet about it immediately as it was happening i think the dolphins never have a chance to compete in the afc with how they are now i want to say they are a good running team you're saying never as in from this point going forward until they get a real quarterback no Mm. i'm sorry this game completely exposed to a entire he's not built for this weather i think if they're able to if they're able to get home field advantage for like the entire playoffs or at least play in domes yeah, and stuff, I think that's that is not gonna, The odds of that are so low. The AFC sure. is such a cold place. Ten out of the 16 teams are places where you will play in below freezing temperature, and the Dolphins could have been the one seed this year. Except once the temperatures got cold, to finish the regular season, you're going to have to play road games. Yeah. And they lose those road games, and that's why they can't be the one seed. Okay, sure. Tua also... Okay. There's just this thing. It's it's not even just his arm strength that is their biggest issue. He is rattled from the moment you say go in every game. If the exact look that was drawn up, if his primary read is not there, he cannot figure it out. He cannot play out of structure. Sure. He cannot be the quarterback you need when... Every year you have to play C.J. Stroud, Lamar, Burrow, Allen, Mahomes. You'll lose every time. Tell me this. He, tell, tell me this. Yeah. Because I, I understand what you're saying, and I think there's a lot of truth to it. But do you feel like if the Dolphins are able to establish a consistent running game to develop the play action against good teams, because they're good at running right. the ball against the trash, sure, but... If they are able to threaten teams with the run game consistently in the playoffs, and that complements his game, am I, am I wrong for saying that then all of a sudden Tua looks a hell of a lot better? No. Well, so, I don't know. He To me, that still just means you're looking for Jimmy G and Ryan Tannehill out of him. That's the best you're going to get. How about we it's... phrase that as you're looking for Brock Purdy out of him? No, because Brock Purdy does more than all of them. Like, and I, you know me, I'm the world's biggest Brock Purdy hater. 
Like, I don't think he's that good. But Brock Purdy can make plays when it's out of structure. He can extend plays. He can do these other things. And the running game's big, and it is very important. I, I, just, but... think, I just think Tua is so good when stuff is going according to structure. <sighs> so is every quarterback in the NFL. That's, that's not true. Because I, I feel like there are plays where Jimmy Garoppolo has what he's looking for, and then okay. just, oh, here's the worst throw in NFL history. But Tua does that all the time. Tua's biggest plays are screen passes to Tyreek or deep shots where he underthrows Tyreek and forces a play to happen. The The difference, really, between them is Tyreek and Waddle bail him out a lot more than the receivers have ever bailed out Jimmy G. <laughs> I think... I think you and me have a very clear difference in terms of how much we appreciate Tua's anticipation in terms of how much we appreciate because... his ball pla- placement in the shorter ranges. Because because there is a lot to be said about his ability to make those primary reads work. Okay? Because it's not sure. always the I, primary I, I read is that. wide open. Sometimes he has to thread it into a really tight window to make it happen, and he does. Sometimes, but not consistently. I, I think like to a to a much better level than a very large amount of the quarterbacks in this league. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, you can just especially after this year, just look at his draft class. Out of the yeah, what Burrow, one, two, Burrow and Herbert are definitely better than him, okay. And so are Love and Hurts by like a lot. I I think if you, if you gave the Dolphins love or right. hurts yesterday, okay, or not okay, yesterday, Mr. but against the Chiefs. Yeah, if we're doing hypotheticals, well, no, we're doing I, hypotheticals. I'm, I'm arguing, I'm saying no more hypotheticals is my point. I'm okay. saying, I'm willing to say back then, fine, I lose the other argument because I said a hypothetical, fine. <laughs> okay. I, like, I, I'm completely <laughs> chill saying that. Then I won't bring up hypotheticals, but I mean, just look at the way their teams play. But when I, they I get down, you don't immediately assume the game is over. When the, the Dolphins way are down, you evaluate you... quarterbacks is very different than the way I evaluate quarterbacks because sure. I look at it and I say, "How are you doing in your offense?" Okay, who cares how? Who cares how Kirk Cousins would do in the Ravens' offense? He's not in the sure. Ravens' offense. That's fair. I want to see what you could do in your offense. That's why I think Purdy is a really good quarterback. Because of what he does in his offense. Because of what he does compared to what Jimmy G did in the same offense. Sure. Okay? That's how I look at it. And but, I just say, okay, you give him Tyreek, you give him Jalen Waddle. You could say, oh, they're bailing him out. I prefer to say, okay, they allowed this team with a quarterback that isn't great with the deep ball to still have a very threatening deep passing game. It complements his weaknesses, or it makes you have to so, respect the aspects of his game that are weak, as opposed to not having a deep passing game at all. I get that. But you're also, if you want to look at how he is in his offense, we have to look at the last two seasons, what happens to this offense in the back half of the season. It gets really bad, and it's all on Tua. You have open receivers that he misses. He gets too frazzled. He's got this thing. He cannot make a play out of structure. And the entire thing with this offense is a lot of how a McDaniel-Shanahan offense is ran 
is out of structure. You have to be able to make the plays, and he can't. Yeah, when everything's perfect, Tua can be good enough, but it's never going to be perfect. And my biggest point with all I have to say about Tua and the, like, you have to move on, you have a year before you have to pay him. He's going to want a bag. You cannot pay him a bag. He doesn't work that way. The team has to be too good around him. I'll say On this. his rookie contract, you can't build the team well enough around him. The thing that concerns me the most about paying him the bag is injury. Injuries. Yeah. yeah. That's what concerns me the most about paying him a lot of money. Because I, I do think, like, if they are able to not even establish, like, a great running game, just a consistent one. Because I, I don't think this is a consistent running game. Okay, I don't. Yes, Tua is the reason that they lost this game. I 100% agree with that. However, playing in this weather without a legitimate running game, that's really difficult. See, a running game isn't that bad. First of all, I think we got to give some more credit to the Chiefs' defense. They've been awesome against the run all year. I wanted to say that, but I wanted to finish this first. Sorry. I just wanted to get that in there while we're talking about it. Because Mostert and A-Chain have been good all year. The issue really was when you fall behind, you have to throw. My Yeah, and that, that was the problem, too. They fell behind early. That that hurt yeah. them a lot. Yeah. But my problem with Mostert and A-Chain, the, the stats are going to say, oh, yeah, they're very good. They have a lot of rushing touchdowns. You know, they average good yards per carry, all that good stuff. Uh, but those numbers are inflated by big carries. And... Yes, that's fine. I'm not saying you take away the big explosive plays because those are good. You want to have those. But I'm saying a consistent running game. I'm not saying because right. technically they have a good running game. I want them to have a consistent running game. And they just don't. They just don't. And that's what you need in this type of weather. Because you look at the other side, you look at the Chiefs offense, they had a consistent running game. They did. It wasn't super explosive, but they had consistency there. When they gave the ball to Pacheco, they knew. They knew for a fact they were going to get a positive gain, and they knew it was still very possible that they get five yards, six yards. Okay. But they still would have settled for three or four. With with the Dolphins, you see them run the ball, the amount of times where you see them get a one-yard carry, it, it makes it really hard to rely on that running game. And that's why sure. teams are willing to kind of ignore the play action at a certain point. And Tua needs that. He does. I am willing to admit that Tua is the reason they lost this game. But I do think they have to do a better job. Again, I know he has a lot of help, but they need to do a better job optimizing him for this situation. Because it doesn't matter how great Tyreek is if you can't get him the ball. Right. And I think they need the run game in order to keep the plays in structure because you said it yourself, he's not great out of structure. But it's a lot easier to stay in structure if you're running the football and running it well and threatening teams with that running game. And I think a big part of that for Miami is, I mean, just their defense, man, wasn't real this game. I mean, they couldn't stop the run. And they, I know they were really a lot up. of that is they, they were yeah. really banged up. That's the key for a lot of the teams that lost this weekend is, like, they're the teams that, 
The playoffs aren't about who the better team is. They never have been and never will be. It's always in every sport about who gets healthy at the right time. Or and wh- which coach is the best at making up for the injuries on, on your Well, team. it do- sometimes it just doesn't matter. If you yeah. lose enough guys, that it doesn't matter how good your coach is. I mean, if your team is out there with, you know, 15 starters out, yeah, it, there's you not lost. much you can do. 100%. So it's it's tough. And, like, yeah, the Dolphins are so banged up. And I don't know. It's tough. I don't know where you go from here if you're Miami, though. Like, well, actually, what do you do? More upon what, well, I, I just said you want to establish the running game. You want to build more tough bruisers in the running game as opposed to these speedy, thinny, thin guys. You know, I, I think you need to add there. You just need to hope you stay healthy next time around. You try and build more upon the team that you currently have. I don't think you add too much, but I definitely think well, a start would be the line of scrimmage offensively and someone to be like that bruiser back. So that's the thing. Tua's got to get paid. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. There's a uh, uh, Wilkins, Christian Wilkins has to get paid. Like there's a lot of guys where it's like you have to make a bunch of tough decisions really quickly. Because, I don't know, Tua, I don't know if he's playing on fifth-year option or franchise well, tag they said they, want to, they said they want to give him money this offseason. That's, like, one of their main goals for the offseason. That, I don't know. I It's the thing, like, I don't think Tua's better than a guy like Kirk Cousins, right, or Dak. And those are the types of guys I said, I don't think you can pay them top-tier quarterback money. You have to put a team around them. I don't I don't know what you do with Tua. It makes it really tough. Tua puts you in a weird spot with what he is as a player. Like, I'm not trying to say he's the worst quarterback in football, but, like, if he wants Mahomes money, he needs to play better. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how you give him that. Well, you you, you simply don't. The, the, the thing is, in this league, no one's just going to not pay their quarterback. Like, I mean, that, that just they should sometimes. Yeah, but it, it, but it doesn't. I know. <laughs> like, and that's the truth of this. So, like, we're analyzing this as if it's possible that two It is possible they move on. It is possible. I don't think it is. I think McDaniel loves him, man. He loves him. And I, I think know. moving on from him is moving on from McDaniel. Oof, I don't know about that. I'm not saying, like... We I'm all kind of thought the same them. thing about Shanahan and Jimmy G, and then yeah. they traded up I and moved on. True. I guess that is true. But now I want to move over to the Chiefs, because we have an entire yeah. offseason to have that discussion. Yeah. And the Chiefs definitely deserve their credit for this one. The running game Absolutely. was suffocating. Suffocating. And, you know, it helped that... Miami didn't know how to tackle because they were really yeah. just bringing people off the street. But still, the running game was suffocating. Uh, they benefited from some questionable penalties. Uh, that roughing <laughs> the passer was really dumb. Oh, but 
whatever. We're just going to talk. That's going to be something for every game and every week. It, it, it just sucks that it's going to be the same song and dance with the refs and the Dude. officials, and this doesn't make sense. It, and this isn't even the game where I'd want to talk about the officials. Oh, there's, there's that, so that, that game yeah. comes later. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, that that was a really bad call. But still, the, the Chiefs were the better team. They were better fit yep. to play in this weather. They absolutely were. Because of Mahomes' arm, he was still able to pass the ball, although he still had a lot of incomplete passes. But Rasheed Rice really showed us something. He, he looked really good. Pacheco, I thought, was great. More than anything, it's the defense, right? Yep. Spags, the blitz packages they put together, the defensive fronts they showed us. There was nothing consistent about this defense, and that's a good, that's a good thing. It's not stagnant at all as a defensive unit. They, they're willing to change so much. And I'm not really talking about, like, post-snap movement like I was with D'Amico Rides. They're doing a lot of different stuff pre-snap. And it almost gives a quarterback vertigo when you see this front one play, and then the next play you see a completely different front. And then, you know, it gives a quarterback vertigo. It does. And then the amount of different plays they have out of all of those different looks, it's, it's really tough on a QB. And it's that mixed with just players that want to hit, they want to make tackles, it's difficult to complete these short passes on a team with cornerbacks that are so good against the run, that are so good at just limiting yards after the catch. And I, I thought this was a great, a great game to really show us that. Yeah, the the defense it's incredible for how young. Again, another really young team, which is weird to say because the Chiefs have been so good for so long. But I mean, Lejarius Sneed is awesome i don't think he gets talked about enough yet which is weird um and then the the guy on the other side mcduffie's amazing yep. too. yeah it, they've developed so well with the guys they've drafted um it's genuinely incredible how good it seems like every defensive player they get in kansas city is and i think that speaks a lot to spags and his just I mean, this has been the song and dance with Spags forever, everywhere he's been. Even as a head coach, the defensive players he'd bring in were great. He just didn't have what it took to be a head coach. But as a DC, man, he's one of the best in the world. And, like, Nick Bolton shouldn't be as good as he is. Love that Leo Chanel's doing stuff. Like, even guys like Justin Reed, who come in off the street as, like, good players, turn George, into really George good Carlaptis, players. Another yep. homegrown talent. He's spectacular. I mean, every, you said it yourself. Everyone they bring in is amazing. And they, they're so good at developing these talents, like you said. I, I mean, it's spectacular. And you mix that with, again, great defensive scheming. It's a really tough unit to beat. It sucks that the offense is so illegitimate. And I know for a fact this offense is going to be the reason that they lose later on in the playoffs. But I hope the issue is, what if I they the don't? Defense. Like, I don't know. There's the thing. I know Mahomes, like you said earlier, had a lot of incompletions. But all of them, it seems like, not all of them, but a majority of them are just bad drops. Yeah, but the receiving the core is so not real. That's been the story of their season. And I'm not expecting yeah. that to stop when they play against Baltimore. Having Travis Kelsey join in the drop party is a little You know, I, I completely agree. It's really strange. For It happened in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Like, Kelsey has his days, but it's also just like, what the fuck? 
seeing the first pass of the game go right through his hands, it's like, what? What just happened? <laughs> That's not the usual. And, I mean, we should... The running game for the Chiefs was good, but we should also give a shout-out to the Dolphins' defense, the shell of it that it was. I mean, Pacheco had 24 carries, only made it 89 yards. Now, all the yards came when it mattered most, you know. Mm third and 13 you get a 14 yard run out of pacheco but i mean he's they didn't run the ball all that well i mean well no i think you had to they they stacked the box a lot in that game yeah yeah and that's sure. why i'm willing to say like yeah uh and that that's part of the reason mahomes had the day he had passing it despite yeah. so many incompletions because when they threw it it was going to be a big game because there were so many defenders in the box and I, I guess that's one of those things where, like, you watch it and you look at it from a really, like, analytical angle. You're able to see stuff that the, you know, the, the box score won't tell you that. Yeah. Right? But if you really look at it, they were scheming to stop Pacheco. And that allowed Mahomes to be oh so threatening. And listen, if that continues, you know, this team is going to be able to make a lot of noise. I don't know if they beat Baltimore. And the AFC does run through Baltimore. But I, I, I don't know if they beat them, but still, that, that should be a really, really threatening team if the running game can continue to threaten teams like it did that day. Absolutely. The, the Chiefs are always going to be there, man, and it's the most annoying thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, but I, I imagine you as a Vikings fan are far more annoyed about this next game and the fact I'm that... I'm just sad. Jordan Love is becoming... He's not becoming. I, I hate saying it. He's here. <laughs> he, Go right dude. Ahead. Yeah, I watched this game. It, so I made this exact tweet. I was like, even when he makes a horrible decision and like makes a not great pass, it's twenty yards behind the dude. There was no defenders around. It every single play, he just looked like Aaron Rodgers, and it hurts. How does Green Bay keep getting away with it? Because Love looked incredible. And I think Green Bay as a whole suffered the same thing as the Texans. I know suffered's a weird word to use there. But the the they're all too young to know what the hell they're doing. But I think so that's the part moment of the meant nothing to them. Yeah. It, I, that's part of the beauty. And, and it's not just the moment. It's been that way all year. Yeah. They're going to have these, like, stupid what the hell is going on there. But it's like beauty caused by disaster. <laughs> because you're going to see like Jaden Reed make a stupid decision on a option route. And Jordan Love is like, oh, I see his body start to move that way. You know what? Screw it. I'm just going to chuck it in there. And then it yep. works. It's like, I keep making this comparison when I talk about Jordan Love. Uh, one comparison is Matthew Stafford. And I think that's spot on. But the other big comparison with him is it's like just when you're playing Madden and you're just screwing around and you're just like, you know what? Uh, worst case scenario, I just close the application and open it back up. I I'm just going to throw this up there and then it works. You know, Jordan Love plays like a guy playing Madden. He does. And not right. like a great player. He learned that from Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> like... All of it, the way he throws, the weird, like, hop-off-his-back-foot throws, all of it is just, I've watched Aaron Rodgers for three years, now watch me do it, too. 
And by the and way, it's his, so annoying. his pocket is expanded by an extra like five yards behind the average quarterback's pocket. Mm-hmm. Because you'll see some quarterbacks get so deep and they're like, oh, I really have to step up there. But no, he, he doesn't care. He'll step an extra, he'll do a 10-step drop and feel comfortable just throwing a quick slant. Yep. <laughs> it, it's so weird to watch him play. He breaks all the rules of quarterback play, but it's part of why he's so great. And I think LaFleur does such a great job just maximizing that. Because you'll see a quarterback that doesn't care if he's rattled by pressure. And that allows them to do these weird plays like the one they did on the Musgrave touchdown. Luke Musgrave, when he ran like that crossing route and then like went up halfway through it, and he was wide open. Yeah, the reason they were so comfortable doing that, or the reason that he was so wide open was because the O-line was blocking like it was a jailbreak screen. So they all, like, blocked and released to block for a receiver that was running, like, a quick bubble. Yeah. And that drew the defenders towards the line of scrimmage, but it also meant the defenders were coming in unblocked. All the defensive linemen were coming in unblocked. And that basically just meant Jordan Love was going to have to stay in there, defenders in his face, and just chuck it to Musgrave. That's why the ball was like in the air for so long because Musgrave had to adjust to it. Right. Love knew that he was going to have to adjust to it because he was not going to be able to throw an accurate ball with that many defenders, that many big defenders in his face. But still, he was so wide open it didn't matter. And you don't see other teams try and do that with their quarterbacks because most other quarterbacks aren't comfortable throwing with defenders in his face quite like Love is. And that's why yeah. they were able to do this fake jailbreak screen crossing route to their tight end. I mean, uh, yeah. again, you, don't, you don't see that. <laughs> Dude, uh, and I think a lot of it comes from that thing that it seems like most NFL teams are afraid of doing. And that's drafting your guy and just truly letting him sit. Like, not and just I, maybe I a too, year because we have Andy Dalton, like... No, you're just going to sit for three, and you're just going to deal with it. Too many coaches are afraid that they're going to get fired before they get to, you know, see the fruits of their labor. I have to do it once, because um, you yelled at me about it before the show, but I'm bringing <laughs> up my team one time. It's what the Vikings have to do. I, the weird amount of people, don't re-sign Kirk, just go draft guy. Do both. <laughs> do both. Go draft a guy and sit him behind Kirk for two years. That's the way to do it. Because mm-hmm. that's the only way to give him a real shot. I don't think most, 95% of the time, you're not going to be C.J. Stroud. Yeah. It, it, it might work often. once in a while. but It doesn't happen often. Although, I, I, I think there's some quarterbacks that... I was having this discussion with my dad earlier today, actually. I think there's some quarterbacks like Kenny Pickett, like Mac Jones, where even though they didn't work out, they're supposed to start right away just because they don't offer the upside. They don't. Right. But it's very clear when someone like Jordan Love is supposed to be a project. Even Mahomes, he's supposed to be a project. There's other guys that are supposed to start right away. Bryce Young is one of those guys, even though, once again, it doesn't look like it. C.J. Stroud is supposed to be one of those guys 
And, well, he looks like it. Joe Burrow was supposed to be one of those guys, and it absolutely worked out. It's clear yeah. when guys are supposed to be, at least in my opinion, I think it's clear when guys are supposed to start right away and when guys are supposed to be projects. Love was supposed to be a project, and it's one that really, really worked out. But I, yeah. I want to look at the other young players on this team and not just Jordan Love because the, the receivers were open all game. And that wasn't just, oh, Dallas Corners suck. No, it was Dontavian Wicks. It was Jaden Reed, although Jaden Reed didn't get the ball much. But it was these guys running really good routes and getting wide open on some nice double moves. And, you know, they really just ran these routes extremely well and they were getting open all game because of their speed mixed with their great body control. It, it really was beautiful to watch. See, I think a lot of it is uh, this. Uh, I don't understand what Dallas's plan was. Dallas was mostly a man coverage team all year. They run the majority of their coverages in man. Green Bay's offense is awful against man coverage. So we're going to run out and have 95% zone all day. You set yourself up to fail. I don't know why well, you're zagging. I, I Nobody they, was zigging. I, I don't. They got afraid because there were plays early in that game where they got destroyed in man. But that man. was in, no, it was all zone. That's the thing. They didn't come out in man at all. It's like they were afraid that, which is weird to me. I don't hate Dobbs or Wicks or Christian Watson, but dude. Let Stephon Gilmore and your good corners go shut them down. Play defense the way you play defense. Switching your defense entirely for a playoff game is kind of ridiculous. That's not good coaching. And it's probably going to be what cost Dan Quinn his shot at getting another head coaching job. Probably what it cost Mike McCarthy his job. Like, both offensively and defensively, you changed your strategy from the entire year. So Why? There really wasn't a spe- I I kind of just assumed that there was a specific play where they got decimated in man to man and it kind of scared them for the rest of the game. There really wasn't one where they. I feel like there was at least one where it was just a wide receiver takes a guy's ankles and they're just like, okay, we're not doing that anymore. Which again is a bad thing to do. But I would have yeah. swore it really was just all zone. <laughs> like they just totally went. Here's our identity. We're not doing that. And then wondered why they got smoked. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm glad he picked up on that because <laughs> I I did notice they were running a lot more zone. I just assumed that was like, okay, they got scared off by one bad play in man-to-man, but I, I guess not. No, oh, it's that, weird. Yeah, it, it's so strange. I, I mean, maybe they thought they were just going to catch them off guard. like. <laughs> but then it's just like, okay, it didn't work. Now let's go back to doing what we're used to. That That's really surprising. And it, yeah. like you said, it doesn't make any sense. It, it really... Uh, it, it doesn't make yeah. any sense. And, and I like the no. way you mentioned the Dan Quinn perspective on it. First off, McCarthy's getting fired. Like Hopefully. He should. Uh, yeah. Dan Quinn, I, I've never seen one game completely kill a coach's shot at becoming a head coach <laughs> quite like this one has. Because he went yeah. from a head coaching candidate and some team's favorite to, does he even deserve a defensive coordinator job? Right. 
it's like, insane. Yeah, it, it's remarkable to see that. There's no way Seattle hires him now, right? Oh, no. Seattle has him as the favorite. You can't hire him. I mean, and I just want to add insult to injury for McCarthy <laughs> here because there's definitely at least one person listening saying, oh, but, you know, McCarthy's been so successful. He led us to the playoffs so many times. Okay, yeah, what have you done when you got there? One, but two, look at how good this team was supposed to be. This was, like, actually a team where, like, jokes aside, people were saying, this can be Dallas's year. I was one of those people. Yeah, not one of the times where you're just joking about it and, like, making fun of people saying that. It it looked legit at some point this year. You know, Dak looking as good as he was, but the truth is, you, you, you look at this game, and how it played out. And I, I I don't think there was a display of how Dallas lost this one in a single play quite like, and this is a really random example, but I think no play was a microcosm of how this game went down for the Cowboys quite like Brandon Aubrey missing the extra point in the second half. Yeah, and, and I know that sounds really funny to say, but it it was such to me that said so much because the reason they lost this game was because everything they're supposed to be good at they just <laughs> weren't. They just weren't yep. every little thing. Aubrey is supposed to be a really reliable kicker, special teams player of the year. That's what people are talking about him as, mm-hmm. and he's out here mix, missing an extra point. Dak mm-hmm. is supposed to be an amazing game manager, but he threw two interceptions in this game. Both of them looked horrible. CeeDee Lamb is yep. supposed to be an offensive player of the year candidate, but he was a non-factor in the first half. Micah Parsons is supposed to be a defensive player of the year candidate, but he didn't really have much of an impact either. Like, everything about this team, just, it, that's supposed to be good, it, it just wasn't. It just wasn't. Right. The Dak to CeeDee Lamb connection just wasn't there. Every single thing that's supposed to be great about this Dallas Cowboys team just sucked. And to me, that has to be coaching. There's no other reasonable explanation. They were not ready to play in this one. They just simply weren't. And when everything your team is built to be good at is a weakness in the first week of the playoffs, that falls on the head coach. Mm -hmm. Giving up 41 points at home in just three quarters against the seven seed that is also the youngest team in the NFL is what gets people fired. Mm-hmm. McCarthy keeps his job. Dallas should riot. And that's why the Houston Texans are truly not just America's team, but the team of Texas. Okay. That, yeah. that, that's how I look at it. I find this insane. Insane. It was a truly... It was truly a collapse. That's what it was. It was an absolute collapse compared to the expectations. They're supposed to win this game and win it easily. Okay, and I, I think sure. the Packers definitely have some juice, but they should not be losing this game, especially at home. They're supposed to be a great team at home, and they go out and lose this game to that team. Yeah, no. The only home team to lose a playoff game this week. Yeah. Yeah. The only <laughs> team to get upset if you go by seeding this week. Yeah. It was it was bad, man. It was really, really bad. And 
you know, if you're a Cowboys fan... And the fan, entire world still blames Dak. Yeah. Even though, like, did Dak play a great game? No, but he had some really nice throws. It wasn't that bad. The one interception, not good. That mm-hmm. The pick six was rough. Yeah. But, like, the Jair pick, that was just a good play by oh, Jair. Jair I, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, ever. Definitely gets Sorry. the least blame. But there were a couple of... Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. No, I, I had to hit you once, apparently. Yeah, no, you're good. I'll just write down the timestamp because I'm such a professional. Uh, <laughs> but Dak yeah. definitely didn't play a great game. Uh, he, he takes the least blame. But there were a couple of other plays. Like we yeah. said, you know, the uh, the first pick that wasn't Jair, that was really bad. The yeah. uh, There were other overthrows or just mispasses throughout the game yeah. that were bad, but... But I think that's just the whole team not having any rhythm at all. Yeah. The whole team was out of it. If you're a Cowboys fan and you want optimism, there's a guy named Bill Belichick. He's kind of a good head coach. Uh, If he replaces McCarthy, which I I think is very possible, it should be really fun. Why why is that? You don't think he wants to be reunited with Stephon Gilmore? I don't think he wants to go somewhere where he has no control. I think you have no control over the team in Dallas. That, I think he's just going to have to accept that reality. I don't mean like, you know, where he's going to be the GM. I mean, oh. he has no control. Jerry decides who starts. Like, you have no control. And I don't think Belichick's going to be cool with that. If he's not going to have roster control, I Tell think you, he can cope with that. Think, I think it might be unlikely. But do you think there's at least a possibility that Jerry Jones is willing to throw his ego aside to bring in a no. head coach of, <laughs> but it's Belichick. Yeah, but he fired Jimmy Johnson for the same reason we're talking about True. why he won't hire Belichick. True, but maybe like, now he's I, desperate because it's been so long. I don't know. I'm just trying to give the That's Cowboys the only world is like pure desperation. Yeah. I think that makes more sense if it's a guy like Vrabel. Hmm. I really Maybe. do. I could, I could really see Mike Rabel there. I absolutely could. I definitely could see that. Yeah. I really, yeah. No, I, I could definitely see that. Um, yeah. Again, I'm sorry, Cowboys fans. I tried to give you optimism, but geek hates. I didn't. No, <laughs> see, that's not it. I am just the definition of a pessimist. So, I will let you know the only the bad ways this goes down. It's what being a Vikings fan will do to you. Well. I can't imagine how a Vikings fan feels not only about the Packers winning a playoff game, but also their other division rival, the Detroit Lions, <laughs> winning a playoff game. I mean, listen, I, I can only imagine your pain, but let's start by talking about this Rams team first, if you want, just to ease it for yeah. you. Or do you want to just get the. Uh, we can talk the about the Lions. I'm, I want to be happy for the Lions. I really do. Mm hmm. Their fans on Twitter just make it really hard. Well, that and, I don't know, Kirby Joseph just reminds me entirely of the 2009 Saints, and I don't think he should be allowed on an NFL field anymore. (laughs) Stop taking out people's knees, dude. And if I get told one more time, that's how you are taught to tackle, I'm going to scream. No person has ever taught you to tackle by throwing your head into people's knees, I promise. Yeah. And if they did, they're a bad coach. Him, And you know what? (laughs) Him hurting Higby, that was that was huge. That actually was yeah. huge. Because the reason that the Rams lost this game, I think everyone's in agreement, 
their inability to score in the red zone. Yep. And Higby is like, I don't want to say their main red zone threat, but he's really important for them in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Like, remember in their Super Bowl run a couple years back, they would throw him goal line fades. Yeah. And they him and Odell work. were the guys in the red zone. Yeah. And they would work. You know, it would have been really nice to have Higby in this one, but instead that happened. And it ended yep. up really mattering. Yep. But anyway, what which team do you want to talk about first here? I guess Detroit, because you already started with that defense. I mean, we can talk about the Rams. Uh, it's a, I think this game for the Rams, I mean, yeah, not having Higby sucks. And... The, the defense was weird. The real answer to the, this game, though, is McVeigh forgot how to manage a clock at the end of the game. It, it, so I, I was listening to someone else talk about this. I was listening to the Athletic Podcast. And mm-hmm. the thing with McVeigh, he, he's kind of always as good of an X's and O's guy as he's been. He's never been, like, the best at managing the game in terms of, like, situational football and stuff. And I think the... The crowd that Detroit had with how loud they were and, you know, because of all the pre-snap motion the Rams try and run and all that stuff. Because keep in mind, the Rams at one point during the second half, deep in the second half, they ran motion on 95% of their offensive plays. That makes it harder to get the play in and that makes it harder to snap the ball before they say hike, right? And because of that, you need to use a timeout. Now, does that make it any See, better? No. But still, th- that's why it happened. I've argued this for a long time, and I want to continue arguing it. Stop taking the timeout. Mm. Just take the five-yard penalty. That early, especially with the way your offense has been working, yeah. you've, you're averaging 10 yards per completion. Take the five-yard penalty, make it third and seven, and move on. I that and then like at the very end, you know, the two minute warning happens. The Rams get the first down, and you call your timeout immediately. That just cost you the game. You can still get. You're gonna get like a punt return and maybe a throw, if you stop them right because of the way that one timeout would work. Maybe you'd get those two little plays out of it. Maybe you'd just get the punt return. But where you took the timeout, you just said, here, Detroit, kneel it out, we're done. It's weird. I don't know if he just didn't understand the way that that was going to go. I don't know. It was just very strange, and football's weird, and McVay might need a clock management guy. We've said that about a lot of coaches. Yeah, and you know, I... I... I could absolutely see them establishing that because this was a playoff loss. This wasn't just some random regular season loss. Yeah. Like, this was a playoff loss, and they're going to look back and say, like, yeah, that's a legitimate problem with this team. And McVay is willing to scout himself, right? He's willing to yeah. make that improvement. That's why he brought in Kevin O'Connell, if you remember. He's mm-hmm. willing to make the improvements that need to be made. I could absolutely see him making that change. I think it would be a very good thing. As much as we're, like, memeing about it, I, I think it's definitely a possibility here. Uh I th- I thought that those really killed them. I thought some of the play calls, not really the schemes, but there were times like the there was a third and eight where they threw the ball to Cooper Cup, mm-hmm. and it's just like 
is that really your guy? And they didn't do any motion or anything before it. He wasn't open. They kind of just prayed Cooper Cup was still the Cooper Cup he was during the Super Bowl run. And he just wasn't. It's just that simple. He wasn't. Uh, and he didn't make the play. CJ Gardner-Johnson made a really nice play on the ball. But, but still, it's just like, why are you doing that when you have Puka Automatic just catching every single 50-50 ball you throw his way? <laughs> why aren't you calling motion anything with motion when that has been working like fine wine throughout the game? Right. It, it, it's really just kind of confusing because whenever they would call anything involving pre-snap motion, it would just work. And then they yeah. just didn't do that. Once again, why? I think it still was a great game by Sean McVay. It just the red zone inefficiency really killed them. I did like how they used Kyron Williams in that yeah. game. Uh, specifically, like, pass blocking. He had an amazing day pass blocking. And there were times where they would line him up behind the left guard. Like, right behind the left guard. Specifically, so he's in a good position to pass block. And they did that on a third and long. I think it was a third and long. They threw it deep, and they had extra time where he pretty much had a one-on-one -on, -one on the linebacker. And because he was able to block the linebacker, pretty much stonewall the linebacker, he was... Stafford was able to make a deep pass down the field. Very nice. But then later on in the game, they did a very similar thing. They lined him up behind the left guard, and then they called a screen pass to a wide receiver because of where Williams was pre-snap. He was in position to get up to the linebacker, and it didn't end up being a huge play, but it absolutely could have been. I, I just really like that play design, and I wanted to shout it out because I yeah. haven't heard anyone mentioning the type of game Williams had, specifically as a pass blocker, because it, it was really impressive. But... It didn't really matter because they couldn't score in the red zone in a game that ended up kind of being a shootout, or it looked like it was going to be a shootout. And then when the Rams' defense started oh, making plays, then the Rams' offense stopped scoring. Yep. The Rams' defense made did exactly what everybody kn knew would happen to Jared Goff. Like, the entire third and fourth quarter, Goff didn't look good. No. Suddenly, he couldn't move the ball. He was frazzled. It would get to third down, and he takes a sack, or he throws it away, and they punt. You did exactly what you have to do to Jared Goff. You got him to look like he did in that Super Bowl. You got him to look like the reason. You reminded everybody, here's why we moved off of him. But your offense couldn't do anything then. Mm -hmm. The Rams are such a weird, like, hot and cold team, and they have been all year, and I think a lot of that is to do. They're another one of those really young teams. Yeah. But I think they're young with maybe a little less talent than some of those other teams well, and uh, not as good a coaching and mm. no McVay's great and I'm not talking just offensively but like a lot of miscues that are on coaching bad play sure. calls bad design okay and I, I thought I I think the thing that frightens me about their future isn't really like oh, they're less talented than, say, a Green Bay, or they're less talented than, like, Houston. It's more of they have the young talent, but then some of their most important players are their older guys. Yeah. Stafford. Stafford and Donald. Donald. Like, yeah, losing them is big. Okay, but then you have guys like, you mentioned how they were getting in the face of golf later on and how that led to him making some stupid, stupid plays, such as that one time he, like, had the ball above his head and he had two hands on it. And he just, like, threw it backwards. Uh, 
that I found really, really weird. I, I stat golf's lows are really low, man. <laughs> they they are they are really low. But Ernest Jones, he was having a great day rushing the quarterback. Uh, he was exposing David Montgomery in pass protection all night long. Mm-hmm. Then Young on the edge, he's great. Of course, they have uh, interior defensive tackle. Blake not his name. What the hell? Give it, for, give it to me because I, I need to give him credit. Sorry, like, I just zoned out. My yeah. bad. The interior defensive Ooh. tackle. That's like defensive rookie of the year like candidate. Forgot his name. Oh, uh, Byron Young. No. Um, no. Byron Young is the edge. Uh, what the right, hell? the interior guy. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about, right? Oh my god, I can't, I, I can't believe. Oh, Kobe that Turner. Thing. Jesus Thank Christ. You. I knew it was Kobe. Kobe Turner. Yeah, yeah, my god, my bad. Kobe Turner. Something about their names are all so forgettable. I'm sorry, Kobe well, Turner. Well, it's maybe also they have Aaron Kobe Donald. Durant and yeah, yeah. There's too many Kobe's on this LA team. It would probably also help if the, it wasn't 1 a.m. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Kobe Turner. He's great. He was getting in. Golf's face a lot. Uh, yeah. Also, Aaron Donald was getting triple teamed or double teamed all the time. Every play. Yeah. Uh, so that made it a lot easier to get in golf's face. And towards the end, it, it was working. He was making mistakes because of it, like you were saying. Uh, yeah, I think defensively they're gonna look pretty good in the future, even without Aaron Donald. I think they're yeah, they're pretty set. But yeah, now let's talk about Detroit because I definitely want to give Aaron Glenn. Someone that I've slandered a lot. I want to give him his credit. Uh, the bend don't break defense. If you could continue to play that way, the Lions can win the Super Bowl. With that offense, with how explosive it could be, if they play bend don't break defense and it always works, they're set. They're set. The thing is, I don't know another offense that that works against. What do you mean? Like, And it's not just the bend don't break thing. There's not another offense in this playoff that's going to be as bad in the red zone. But the, the weird thing is, the Rams' red zone offense was good this year. Without Higby, Puka's never been the red okay. zone guy. Sure. And Cooper Cup not looking like Cooper Cup, what's the answer? Just hand it off to Kyron, so we'll just stack well, the box. How about you can't do what that? worked this year. Right, like, but that's year, the thing. The Lions very... just stacked it and said, you're not going to Kyron. What are you going to do? And they didn't have a real answer. I, I need to... Now I'm going to look more into how they were efficient in the red zone in the past because I, I'm not really sure. Uh, but I, I feel like they had a decent amount of success just running the ball at these boxes because of guys like Avila just plowing people. Uh, and also Cup was still getting... Like, he's no longer the Cooper Cup we're used to, but... He was still getting right. open. Puka Nakua definitely caught a couple of touchdowns throughout the season. They were an efficient red zone offense this year until this game. So I, I definitely want to give the Lions their credit. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because whatever they did compared to whatever teams were doing in the past, which, again, I need to look back and make that comparison because I'm honestly not sure, if I'm being honest. But they did a very good job just throwing them a curveball compared to whatever right. fastball other defenses were throwing at them. So I'll give Aaron Glenn his credit here. He was allowing sure. big completions. He was allowing big plays. But when they got into the red zone, they were forcing the opposing team to settle for a field goal. And I think with that offense, it could work. If they could continue to do that, I could absolutely see Dan Campbell and the Lions hoisting a Lombardi. 
I don't know about that. That's a big if. No, no, I, I honestly do feel comfortable saying that, but it's a question of whether or not they can continue to do that. I honestly doubt it, but if they can, I feel comfortable saying Detroit Lions to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I just can't get there. I don't trust Goff against any defense left in the playoffs. Even Joe Barry? Yeah, even Joe Barry. Wow. I do. Dude, all it takes to get to Goff is get a little pressure in his face, and he's no longer a real quarterback. In all fairness, it. It, it is easier said than done. That O-line is really good. Right, but even when you look at the Packers, I mean, Rashawn Gary can make a make a difference. I mean, mm. the, every team left has, like, a couple players who can just take it over and be the reason yeah. Goff has trouble. That's true. That's Where true. the Rams, yeah, they have Aaron Donald, but... Once you triple team him, yeah, you can get in Goff's face a little bit with these other guys, but you don't have a real threat. And even outside of Gary, you have other guys who actually can be a real threat. I mean, the Niners are going to be impossible. Who do you stop? <laughs> They've got too many good pass rushers. It's tough. I just don't know what you do if you're the Lions exactly, but yeah, I mean, it's... They could it, be really good. Be I just don't trust Goff. That's it for me. For, for me, it's more of I don't trust Aaron Glenn. Because I, I, it's not really that I trust Goff an absurd amount. It's more of I trust Ben Johnson and the rest of the offense to make up for Goff's weaknesses. <laughs> and that's kind of how I always felt with this Detroit team. Uh, and again, I, I, think, I don't think Goff is like awful, but he definitely has his weaknesses. But... Detroit's great at hiding those and preventing them from being exposed. If they can continue to do that, which I think is actually really likely, with me the unlikely thing is just the defense continuing to play like it did in this game. Yeah, that's fair. But if it happens, again, I'm willing to say, like, they're my Super Bowl favorite if that could happen. I just don't think it will. I just, I just simply don't. So, anyway, let's move on to just an absolute blowout. Steelers at Bills. Bills controlled this one. D despite what George Pickens wants to say, it wasn't just the ref ball that won the Bills this game. Even no, though there were bad calls on both sides, I, I don't I don't yeah. understand what's wrong with George Pickens. But anyway, well, the Bills won, yeah. won this one. And they speaking it. of refs, I gotta back it up a second. The if you want to have any game be called like the weird ref game, it was Lions Rams. Hmm. The NFL All just decided the they needed to make up. Or there's a lot well, of reasons, but the staff Like four roughing the passers missed and about yeah. five missed pass interferences, all because what? You missed a call against Detroit a couple weeks ago? Whoop-dee. I don't... The weird way that they make calls... I mean, if Mahomes got hit the way Stafford did... Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. It, it's ridiculous. 100%. If we're going to call penalties, call penalties. I just want... I don't even want officiating to be good. I just want it to be consistent. A hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. Uh, and I, I feel like by that definition, consistent officiating is good officiating in my mind. Sure. Sure. Like, that's honestly how I'm willing to phrase this. If it's a hundred percent definitive what a certain call is, and the fact that he can't say any calls are definitive anymore, that's right. frightening. That's really bad for the league. And it's been that way forever, right? 
Like, I, I hope you understand. I feel like people don't really understand. You could go back and watch Chris Berman on NFL primetime in the 1990s, and you'll hear them complaining mm-hmm. about the refs back then. The refs have yeah. always been a problem in this league, and sadly, that doesn't seem to be stopping. It just feels worse now for some reason. I think it's because now some of these calls are even more subjective. That's Stuff fair. like roughing the passer, That's there isn't a literary you know, definition to that. There's no literal right. definition to that. Uh, and I think that's why it feels so much worse. That and, of course, we're witnessing it in real time. That That's part of it. But I, I 100% yeah. agree. The officiating in this one was bad. Uh, but now let's go back to that Steelers game. George Pickens complained about the officiating in this one, but the Bills won this one very clearly. There were bad calls mm-hmm. on both sides. Uh, I mean, yeah, how do you feel about the Steelers getting absolutely mollywopped here? They, they didn't belong here. Am I wrong for saying that they didn't belong in the playoffs? I mean, I think... If you made it, you belong. Who should have been in instead of them? Well, so I'm not going like, to say that they should have kicked them out of the playoffs because they, they're bad. Like, they did what they had to do to make the playoffs. That being said, it would have been far more entertaining if... Let me think of an AFC team that missed it. It would have been more entertaining if the Colts were in instead of the Steelers. I don't know if it would have been. Just Gardner Minshew just giving the ball to the Bills constantly? Gardner, Minshew, or Mason Rudolph? I mean, watching them play the last three weeks, Mason Rudolph, he's been making actual plays. Minshew was great at the start of the season. Well, great in backup terms. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the year, you couldn't rely on him to make a single throw ever. And Mason Rudolph is, even in this game, still on that, like, the backup who comes in and plays hot thing. We've seen that for every team with yeah. a backup. Yeah. Like, I don't know. The hot hand is fun. And, I mean, the Steelers tried to make it a game. Yeah, well, uh, they, they just did, didn't have an answer for 17. Yeah, and that's kind of the problem. They, they're incapable of playing as elite quarterbacks. And, hey, you know, it would have really helped if in, instead of going for a Kenny Pickett that will never be able to allow them to win a playoff game in the AFC because – all the AFC quarterbacks are just elite. Uh, maybe they should have, I don't know, uh, went for a quarterback that could help them win playoff games. But, again, that's not the goal for the Pittsburgh Who Steelers. would that have been, though, in that draft? What do you do? So, I, at the time, I was a big Malik Willis guy. Uh, but that said... Ooh, you want my embarrassing take? I was a Matt Corral truther. Matt I, Corral I, I Matt Corral QB too, so I can't even, like, laugh at you. Uh... But no, I, I think even in that class, may, maybe you just trade for a quarterback, right? They're in a position where you're always competing for playoffs. Trade for a quarterback. Why not? Right? J- just be more aggressive. Don't go for the safe quarterback just because you need a quarterback. Because, well, you go for the safe quarterback, you're going to be stuck in this purgatory that the Steelers are apparently fine being in. The Steelers, their goal every season isn't to win a Super Bowl. Their goal is to get nine wins. I don't know about that. No, no, I think it is. I think it is. Because if it isn't, (laughs) if it wasn't, they wouldn't be fine with this mediocrity. And I think they are truly fine with it. They don't make moves to get much better. They make moves to add a running back. They make moves to, you know, they'll sign free agents for depth. When was the last time they signed, like, a big free agent? 
what are we gonna act like Cole Holcomb was such a difference maker? Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, see, it's weird though because a lot of these moves where they do try to get these good players, they just don't work. I, like, I don't agree with that. I, I think drafting like, Najee could work if Najee was any good at football. But like, I, uh, he's the problem this, is they weren't complete enough to draft a running back, but they did it anyway. See, but when okay, when you have these quarterback issues and that the answer is to have a good run game and if Najee was Bijan, we wouldn't be having the same conversations. The issue is they keep getting these guys who just don't turn out to be the guy. And I don't know if it's entirely like a bad coaching thing. Like can and I'm not saying Tomlin because Tomlin's a great yeah, coach. I'm not if calling they, for Tomlin's head. I'm calling for a change in how Tomlin or the GM, whoever, I'm changing. I'm asking for a change in how they approach. Yeah, the offense for sure. Because like I, it just feels like they can't elevate these. Maybe some of that's just on the players. I mean, George Pickens is a freak show. Maybe they're just getting unlucky with getting. I don't know weird players. I. But it's it's so interesting because I guess Minka would be their last big, big yeah, big move. Last like big swing, and they they did that because they were just like, oh, Big Ben went down. Okay, we need to make up for that somehow. Because I I don't know if you remember, but that was the season where Ben Roethlisberger got hurt. I'm pretty sure that was the Devlin Hodges season. I, think I can't that remember. I think that actually was the Devlin Hodges season. Good old duck. Yeah, bring back Doc, man. I don't know about that. How about we, as the Steelers, I don't know why I'm saying we, but how about the Steelers, honestly, look at some of the free agent quarterbacks. I mean, I get it. If, I don't know, I get not loving, you know, Russell Wilson, but get somebody who can maybe have some juice, somebody with... I don't know, real ability, because Kenny Pickett's not that. Honestly, it is funny, because Kenny Pickett just sounds a lot like Tua at this weird point. Tua does a lot of things better than Kenny Pickett. I'm not yes. saying they're like the same caliber yeah. of player, I, I but it's just say. like the the argument of, well, everyone else in the AFC is a superstar. It's like, yeah, that's why I don't know if Tua can work, because everybody else is a superstar. Very different levels, because Tua's at least competent. Kenny Pickett's closer to Mac Jones. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Pickett's bad now. But don't worry, I've been on that train since day one. Uh, well, no, I mean, I thought he was at least going to look like a starting quarterback. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, good on you. You, you. you saw into the future, man. Because it was tough because I got called dumb by a lot of people. <laughs> well, I'm not going to lie. I would have I said, like, okay, I think you're over, you know, over-hating. But, I, I mean, hey, you, they're... Good process. Common geek, good process. Sometimes the process is good. Sometimes Brock Purdy just keeps looking better and better, and you sit there like, fuck, man. Yeah, and, and, you know, that that's how <laughs> sometimes the process is good, sometimes the process is bad. That's exactly how I feel about the Bills quarterback, yeah. Josh Allen. And, you know, this is one of the games <laughs> where – how do you feel about that transition, by the way? But That was a good one. I try. <laughs> uh, but this was one of the games where the process was good. It was I mean, Josh Allen was slinging it today, man. He was slinging it all over that 
Steelers defense, and listen, the Steelers defense is really bad when they don't have number 90 rushing the quarterback because then the second half yeah. just get picked apart. But still, I mean, let's give Josh Allen some credit for not just how he threw the ball, but also that big run he had. I mean, he had a yep. big day. Yeah, Josh Allen continues to be the entire Bills offense, and it just works, man. I, It's weird. The Bills, the NFL let the Bills get hot, and I don't know if that was the smartest decision. Because mm-hmm. there's something about the Bills when Josh Allen gets rolling and, you know, even not playing perfectly as a team, they just start picking up wins and getting this confidence about them. Bills, it doesn't matter how banged up they are. They're just a scary team. They just yeah. figure it out all because 17's a psycho. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I wasn't big on how the Bills just stepped off the gas pedal when they got up 21-0, but, I mean, they still won, right? Yeah. They still won. I am worried about Allen having one of those big turnover games uh, at some point. I think that could really kill them. But as long as th- this game's... This team is really going to go as far as Allen takes them. Yep. And if Allen just simply doesn't have one of those bad weeks, just puts a solid four weeks together, four good weeks together. And there's a decent chance. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because his last one was last week in Miami. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a decent chance he can go on a run here. Yeah. (laughs) The clock reset. (laughs) It's on cooldown right now. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, what he can do, he's a game-breaker. He's a game-breaker. Yep. Uh, now, again, Ravens, the AFC runs through the Ravens, and I don't know, but maybe, <laughs> maybe. I, I mean, we've seen the Ravens' defense struggle, like, at least three times this season. Yeah. Uh, maybe it could be a fourth time. Uh it's tough for me to say Maybe. that. Like, I'd pick the Ravens every time in that game, but I, I'm not going to yeah. act like it's impossible for Buffalo to win that. Right. And, you know, maybe we see a little bit more out of Diggs in the future. Like, Diggs really hasn't been great since the offensive coordinator change. Uh, we saw that this running game can do damage if they choose to rely on it. They absolutely could. The defense, even though it's banged up, can make plays. They can really make noise and I think they probably will. Yeah. I, I, There's not really much else to talk about in this game. I mean, the Steelers didn't want to hold the ball at all. But I feel like we went pretty deep into Pittsburgh. Buffalo, they won this game, and they won it convincingly. Uh, is there anything specific that I'm missing that's really worth talking about here? Um, I don't... I mean... James Cook stepping in as, like, a real running back is kind of huge for them. And I think all of that comes from the Joe Brady thing. But that's also the decrease in Diggs production has, like, directly corresponded with the increased usage of Cook. Um, Which I think is probably good for them because I think if you really needed it, you could have a Diggs-Allen game. Mm -hmm. But being able to run the ball is, like, a huge thing for them that they really haven't been able to do in the past. And the tight end duo, by the way, uh, really nice. I know you're not a big Kincaid guy, but they do damage, man. Kincaid I just didn't like together. the process. Yeah, but shocker. You, yeah, but you, you gotta admit though. Yeah, like they, they're threatening. Yeah, for sure. Both of them. I, I mean, they do damage. Red zone, just 
middle of the field. They do it from everywhere. I mean, they, you have two tight ends that are the same guy. That that really helps. <laughs> I mean, they do the same things and do them really well. So you can have them lined up on both sides and like breaking down the defense the same way on both sides. It it and, is really nice for them. And listen, I, I'm glad I'm having you on because we had the discussion about the Kincaid pick before. Mm-hmm. I, I just look at this and I say, last year, or really in the past, it's just been, okay, Diggs, and then I guess Gabe Davis, who I don't really love, and then who beyond that. And now it's like, yeah. you got Diggs, you got two tight ends that are great, Although I guess they had Knox in the past, but I, I think Knox and Kincaid together on the field really make both of them far more threatening. Uh, but yeah, now you have Diggs is the one, I think Kincaid's the two. Then you have Knox, James Cook out of the backfield. Then now Gabe Davis is the fifth option. I look at it. and then, Might be six. Khalil Shakir's yeah, been kind of awesome. Shakir, and he had a big game today, too. Yep, and it's just like I look at this, and it's a really threatening attack, loaded with different weapons, and more than anything, they have number seventeen just running wild, making big throws, making big plays. This team is going to go as far as he takes them. I said it once, mm-hmm. and I'll say it again. But that's all for that game. I want to move on to the last game, and probably the most embarrassing one, except probably the Cowboys one. It's still in the same division, though. Philadelphia Eagles get upset by the Buccaneers, although I guess it isn't really an upset because of the seeding. Whatever. I don't care. It's an (laughs) upset. Uh, Philly was the NFC champion last year, and now they just look horrible. Let's unload it on them, please. Uh, Coaching, I think, is the biggest issue here. Uh, Coaching and then weird talent acquisition. Um, we kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago with the way their run game works. DeAndre Swift can't do for them what Miles Sanders did. He doesn't have the vision. You can't give him 25 carries, you know, and they don't. Kenneth Gainwell's not that guy. I think Rashad Penny was who they wanted to be that guy, but he must be very hurt. So you're not able to get the run game going which then leads to this weird passing game because Hertz relied a lot on working off that run game, on play action, on different things like that to be able to open the pass game and thread people. Now they don't have many designed runs for Jalen Hurts. They're not good running the ball, so it's entirely Jalen Hurts go throw us into every game. And while Jalen is really good as even talk about it as much as you want i mean even tonight he didn't play that bad he's just throwing the ball and without aj brown uh, that's even worse but so that's not his style of play he doesn't just go chuck the ball around and that's not a shot at him that's just not how he plays the game there's certain ways you want to run your team and then defensively they have no players well, I, I the... want to talk about the offense really quick before we move oh, on yeah, to the go defense ahead. because I trust me, I'm ready to talk about that defense. I've Fair. been ready to talk about the defense. I, I want to be more specific as to this game because yes, the running game didn't work. That's been a thing all year. Yes, yeah. Hertz wasn't this elite quarterback that we saw last year. That's been a thing all year. Todd Bowles was just blitzing him every play, and they knew it was yep. coming. 
But for whatever reason, Brian Johnson, who is apparently a head coaching candidate, just refuses to have route concepts go across the middle. Yeah. You know, you know, you know how the people talk about throwing at the blitz? Yeah, I, I guess we're not doing that. For some reason, yeah. I don't want to completely blame Hertz, but I'm gonna say Hertz because I I feel like it gets to a point where it's there's no way Brian Johnson didn't call any route concepts across the middle, right? I mean, there were a lot of plays where it was just nothing, but there were also yeah, somewhere. Yeah, I think that's him calling plays. Jalen's not up there hot routing, guys. Yeah, no, <laughs> and, and you're right. But there were some where there were guys across the middle, and they just didn't. Uh, and maybe that's just because not his first read. But... Okay, yeah, you know what, fine. I'll put all the blame on Brian Johnson. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Brian I, Johnson, for some reason, thinks that a fine way to counter the blitz is just chuck a 50-50 ball. Yeah, and for it almost reason. works every time. And it, it only actually works once. <laughs> yeah, like, it's always right there. The ball is, like, in play he, for well, the receiver, just, first, but it's like... a great ball. He yeah. throws a great deep ball. There's no doubting that. But the fact is, without A.J. Brown, uh, how many of those get caught against good yeah. coverage corners? Because the secondary is a good secondary, an underrated mm-hmm. secondary. Jamel Dean, all these guys, they're, they're underrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's tough to always come down with that. That can't be – your solution to stuff can't be the 50-50 ball. <laughs> you, you know, that that's, that's not how play calling works. Well, Brian doesn't know that. He's never done it before. Yeah. And again, that that begs the question: Why the hell is he still calling plays? Nick okay. Sirianni. I, I mean, that's you call what plays I was going to say. Past. What is I was going to say? What is Nick Sirianni known for? Can he not call a play? Yeah, it, it's. I bad. don't get it. Like, listen, you guys don't want to do it. Pull uh, pull someone out of the stands, and I bet they'll at least call something across the middle. <laughs> you know, it, it's... the Dolphins did that against the Broncos. Remember Mike McDaniel. <laughs> Uh, sorry. It, it's and he probably would be a better play caller than Brian Johnson. But uh, again, yeah. Brian Johnson again head coaching interview. So what do I know, right? Never am gonna understand <sighs> it, but who cares? Uh, yeah. And the obsession with running a shotgun. You were yeah. talking about it. Why? Why do you only run two concepts when trying to run the ball? It it, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. But it's anyway. because Swift doesn't have the vision to take a real run. It has to just be outside zone. It has to be. Not even that, but it's all, it's outside zone and inside zone. Why is that it? Why don't you pull out, like, under center, maybe you run power, okay? You talk about how he lacks vision. Then why are you running the stuff that takes vision? Why aren't you running the stuff that just has a designed hole and you're just going through it? It's like they don't even understand yeah, their own fair. players' talent, right? And even if you don't, you just do what works. It's really that simple. Just do what works. And I'm not even saying, like, oh, this works, so do this. Just don't do what doesn't work, I guess, is fair. my point. It's inside zone. Is it working? The two run plays that they run aren't working. Shotgun formation every play isn't working. Then change it up. Run something out of the under center formation. Run something. Please. Believe it or not, there's other plays 
that you can run out of under center other than tush push and fake tush push. There are. <laughs> it's unbelievable to think about it, but there are. And when you have a good offensive line, you might want to lean on it instead of running the ball twice all game. Yeah, it really would be nice for you to at least try and establish a running game when you have a dominant offensive line. But then again, what do I know? Brian Johnson's apparently a head coaching candidate, so who cares? <laughs> anyway, let's yeah. talk about the worst defensive unit I've ever been forced to watch. Dude, they don't have any real... Uh, so, this defense is so weird. So, a, they got hit with this weird mixture of their older guys, every single one of them regressing. Yes. In a way that nobody yes. could have expected. And the younger guys kind of disappeared at the end of the year. Like, Jalen Carter was sick for 12 weeks. And now he's just like, where, what's he do? Nolan Smith, I guess, had half a sack today. That's cool. But he's not doing much right now. Hassan Reddick, what happened? N'Kobe Both... Dean was supposed to be an asset, and we just don't yeah. see him. Darius Slay and James Bradbury. We all thought they were going to run it back and still be the best corner duo in the NFL, and they're bad. Apparently, Marcus Epps and C.J. Gardner-Johnson were important to this team. Because even after trading for Bayard, your safety play still sucks. Like, there's not a good thing going on in this defensive unit at all. Yeah, th there's nothing. And, and it's one thing to have your veterans regress. It's another thing for your veterans to look like they're rookies. Because for some reason, their veteran linebacker, Shaq Leonard, and their veteran safety, Kevin Bayard, and their veteran corners... Darius Slay and James Bradbury, their veteran defensive tackle, their veteran edge rushers, the veteran edge rushers can't contain, the veteran defensive tackles can no longer stay low, <laughs> the, the veteran linebackers can't take proper angles, the veteran corners don't know how to properly cover any release that isn't just going straight forward off the line of scrimmage, the veteran safeties don't know how to like maintain their zone, everything about this is awful. Everyone looks completely undisciplined. Everyone looks like they don't practice. It's a terrible unit. It is a terrible unit in every way, shape, and form. There are times where no one has contained. How is it that a team that was the NFC champion last year doesn't have a single player in contain? That, that, doesn't, that doesn't happen with bad teams, let alone an 11-win football team. You know what else doesn't happen with an 11-win football team? You don't see fans wearing bags over their head with 11-win <laughs> football teams. That doesn't happen. Yeah. But we did today, didn't we? They, not only were they bad today, not only were they bad, but the, first off, the defense is the worst in football. It has been for seven weeks. Yeah. And honestly, for the past seven weeks, they are a bottom four team in football. Mm-hmm. They are. They didn't lose to the Giants and Cardinals because the Giants and Cardinals caught them sleeping. They lost to the Giants and Cardinals because they are a worse football team than the Giants and Cardinals. And frankly, yeah. I don't think it's close. They might be the worst team in football, and they made the playoffs with 11 wins. Mm -hmm. And again, saying that sounds absolutely insane and like exaggeration, but you put the Panthers up against them, I really don't know who wins that game. With how they've been playing, yeah, I have no idea. The The Buccaneers ran, like, the same blitz every play. 
not the same blitz, but they ran very similar blitzes every play. And not once did the Eagles have the proper solution. Not once. No. It's... How, <sighs> I don't know. How does this happen? Because Steichen and Gannon were the only good pieces of that yeah, coaching staff. The position coaches have to all be permanently banned from planet... They have to be exiled from planet Earth. We, we have to send them on a rocket ship and just never let them near planet Earth again because they're going to neg- <laughs> negatively affect the sport of football. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, dude, I... Dude, I don't know. <sighs> no, I just find it funny how, like, such an insane statement is just, like, a casual. Yep. Yeah, I mean. Because it's just, like, but, everyone dude, knows. <laughs> but there are so many good players on this team, and none of them look any good. Like, you watch the game, and it's like Jalen Hurts and Devonta Smith are the only two real NFL players on this Eagles team. Like, that's it. Nobody else would make another roster the way they're playing right now. And I know people want to argue that Jalen Hurts wouldn't, but even we say he played bad, but he still, like, looked pretty good. It's weird. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that's just the weird hate for Jalen Hurts that exists now. Yeah, people don't like it when Philadelphia people play well. It's pretty simple. Uh, well, it's because Philadelphia people are psychos. Fair. Fair. But now they're going to be... Now they're going to be even more of psychos because their mm-hmm. their pride and joy is legitimately looking like the worst team in the NFL. But let's talk about something positive to end this episode off. How do we feel about the Buccaneers and how they played in this game? Uh, defensively, they're awesome. I want to start there because I want to finish with my guy later. Mm-hmm. So defensively, I mean, they look great. Uh, Vita Vea is still incredible. I love him, man. I, I know you liked my tweet that I put out earlier. I'm, he's, like, one of my favorite players in the league. Mm-hmm. And th- there need to be more just, like, Vince Wilforks. There need to be more Vita Veas that just eat run plays. Yeah. And he does. There was the one run to Kenneth Gainwell. It was, like, the third and one play um, where Kenneth Gainwell ran at him. And he just, like, held out an arm and stopped Gainwell from... I thought he stopped him from getting there. They marked it as a first. It was right. It was like right before the half, the first half. Reviewed it. They just went with it. But he just like stonewalled the guy with one arm while holding Jason Kelsey with his other arm. It was, it's like, dude, what is going on? You are insane. And, and then and like, the oh, go push. Ahead. He's just the anti-touch push. Yeah. He, he Him just... and Jonathan Allen. <laughs> it's so funny to see it, man. And then, what? I mean, like, all of their young guys on defense are stepping up in incredible ways. I mean, Yaya Diaby looks awesome. Oh, he's amazing. He he actually is great. And I, I hated Kalijah that Kansi has first. been cool. I and wasn't... people hated that pick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Kalijah Kansi I didn't like as a player, but because he's with Vita Vea, I really like it. Uh, right. Although, he's still, if you are able to block Vita Vea, which is easier said than done, you can kind of <laughs> expose him in the run game. You can. Uh, but still, he makes up for that by being an amazing pass rusher. Diaby, though, I did not expect him to have this type of season. He has really impressed me, man. He's looked great. Yeah. And Jamel Dean, of course, phenomenal, right? And, of course, I can't forget to mention their best player, Antoine Winfield. Oh, yeah. Baller. Dude's insane. Baller. 
I mean, he he had one play in this game that was kind of bad, but besides that, I, he he's a baller. He's he's a stud. Mm-hmm. I mean, he literally won them the game to get them here. Yeah. Like against the Panthers, it was because Antoine Winfield existed that they won that game. Mm-hmm. Dude is incredible. Not a Pro Bowler though. Yeah, no. So. I, I mean, he he's no, <laughs> no Quandre Diggs, but yeah, he's all right. Right. For he's sure. No Bobby Wagner. No, he's no B Wags for sure. No B Wags. Not not around here. God, NFL. Right. Uh, but speaking of NFL, or just straight up. NFL, what a, what a beautiful league. How much you love it, especially the Pro Bowl. We got to talk about the biggest Pro Bowl snub, Baker Mayfield. Genuinely, he's the MVP. I, Dude, okay, you know me. I'm the biggest Baker fan ever. Yeah. Like, I, yes, it is entirely because I'm an Oklahoma fan, so Baker's always been my guy. But this has always been the thing. I, I know people look back at that season in Cleveland where he, you know, had his shoulder torn to bits and played awful. Mm-hmm. Baker's never been awful. That weird, can he even beat out Kyle Trask? I think anybody who genuinely made that argument doesn't deserve to talk ball anymore. Like, Baker's always been really good. He can throw the deep ball, and if you can get the run game going, which they've done a really good job of that with Rashad White this year, I mean, Baker can make plays. That's what he does. And there's just something about his energy. Nobody has more fun on a football field than Baker Mayfield. And And that just hypes the team. I truly think one of the biggest reasons they are where they are this year is because of what he brought to that locker room. Because Mm -hmm. I think if Kyle Trask was the starter, there's no way that Mike Evans feels rejuvenated to, you know, go off and have a almost career year, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no reason he feels rejuvenated to do that. There's no reason that, you know, Diaby and all the young defensive players really start playing all that well. There's no reason for all this stuff that went well, even Rashad White. There's no reason for these players to really feel energized to play on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers post-Brady. They know Baker's a, a leader. Yeah, he's a leader. I truly think it's visible that they're inspired by him. I, I truly think that, you know, if multiverse theory is real, the other universe where Trask wins this starting job is one where the Buccaneers finished the season with, like, five wins. and now Maybe here less. They are, yeah. And now here they are going into the playoffs, or just won a playoff game, and they're advancing into the divisional round. And honestly, I could see, I could absolutely see them beating the Detroit Lions. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, again, I, I still have time to make my decision. Uh, right. I, I'd probably still go Detroit, but I could see it. I can. Yeah. And it's definitely possible. I mean, if Green Bay can do what they did against Dallas, it's yeah. absolutely possible. So yeah, and, I, Baker played great. Dude, Baker's been phenomenal. Uh, Got to talk about Mike Evans, though. Uh, what is it with this guy being able to catch some of the most ridiculous passes, but then you hit him with a beautiful ball, yeah, wide that. open, perfect. That's not, like, now. new. It's He's okay. always been yeah. a clown yeah, like that. <laughs> Honestly, Julio Jones was like that a lot, too. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny. It's Julio almost Jones like when it's too easy, it's too difficult. Yeah. But 
I'm glad he got it out of his system now because it would have really sucked yeah. if like he sold their playoff run on that. Right. Uh, th- and there were a lot of drops in this game, not just Mike Evans. Like Cade, Cade Otten dropped a touchdown too. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there were drops all over this game, but cool they got it out of their system. I think Mike Evans is going to be a key part of their playoff run now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been a key part of this team anyway. I think he's going to be great. Uh, but the other person I want to give a shout-out to offensively, Dave Canals. Oh, know, yeah. Everyone that was trying to watch this game to see how they feel about uh, see how they feel about Brian Johnson for some reason and him potentially being a head coach, they were looking at the wrong coordinator because Dave Canals deserves a head coaching job. I know it was his first year calling plays, but he's been electrifying. He's been great. No reason for him not to have a head coaching job next year, if you ask me. Because he he's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean the way he's been able to like revitalize different yeah. quarterbacks' careers exactly. has been awesome. Exactly, it's difficult to say there's many offensive coordinators better than him. I love what he's done. I'm super excited to see. Maybe he gets another year in Tampa Bay, and I'm super excited to see what that looks like. I'm super excited to see what he brings out against the Detroit Lions defense that we were talking about isn't overly great. Anyway, yeah. thank you all for listening. Geek, why don't you go ahead and plug your stuff for the people? All right, I can. I mean, just go follow me everywhere uh, at the Geek Slays, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, uh, Instagram, TikTok. I'm everywhere. I do all sorts of content stuff. Or just go to thegeekslays.com because you got to have your own website, apparently, because I'm a nerd. Thank you all for listening. If you want more live content, check out at No Huddle NFL. No capitals and no spaces. No Huddle NFL. No capitals, no spaces. I don't know. I feel like I said no capitals and no spaces and not No Huddle NFL the first time. Uh, maybe <laughs> I'm delusional. Maybe it's the 2 a.m. just hitting me right now, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, check that out. YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, also, check out my... Twitter at no huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces with an underscore at the end. Or X, you know, same app for those of you that live under a rock. Uh, I don't know why I need to clarify that. Anyway, it, it's once again the 2 a.m. hitting me right at the end of this episode. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Before I faint on my computer, uh, I hope you enjoyed, and I'll see you all again on Thursday.